0: Our passage today comes from when Jacob is at the end of his life. He has been reunited with his son, Joseph, who is now a ruler in Egypt. Because of a famine in the land, Joseph has brought Jacob and all of his brothers to Egypt to live. This is found in Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 16, page 50 in the Pew Bible. Sometime later, Joseph was told... Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours. In the territory they inherit, they will be reckoned under the names of their brothers." As I was returning from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way, a a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there beside the road in Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, Who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, Bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. The word of the Lord.
1: Jacob, a deceiver, a grasper, a manipulator. There was little that came easy to Jacob in his whole life. His knees were scuffed, his face was worn, uh, his whole past was just kind of checkered. His life has been one big wrestling match with God even as God has blessed him continually throughout his life. Jacob had 12 sons, which leads to the 12 tribes of Israel. And the last part of Jacob's life is totally wrapped up in what happens to his next-to-youngest son, Joseph. We're told that Israel, which is now the new name for Jacob, given by God, and that will also be the name of God's chosen people, We're told that Israel loved his youngest son or that young son Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now Joseph was prone to have dreams and he shared these dreams with his older brothers. And the message of his dreams was that someday I'm going to reign over you. This did not go over well. And The brothers were so offended and angry that they sold Joseph into slavery, unbeknownst to their father. And they merely told Jacob that Joseph had been killed, killed by a wild animal. And they smeared the blood of a goat on the beautiful robe that Jacob had gifted his son, Joseph, and they brought it back to lead Jacob to believe that now his son was just dead. And Jacob grieves hard. Joseph ends up being taken to Egypt where he experiences many trials, many tribulations, but he perseveres and the Lord raises up Joseph to be second in command to Pharaoh over all of Egypt. Now many years go by and a famine hits the land of Canaan where Jacob and his sons live and Jacob hears that there is food in Egypt and so he sends his 10 sons down to Egypt to buy food to bring it back so that they can just survive. But he holds back his youngest son, Benjamin. Because the thought of losing another young son, just like he lost Joseph, is just too much for Jacob. Remember, Jacob doesn't know. Joseph is still alive. He doesn't know that he's living in Egypt as a ruler. Well, Jacob's brothers go to Egypt and they end up standing before Joseph in his court asking for food. They don't recognize him. But he knows who they are, and he recognizes them. And then what follows is a, a long scenario. It goes many chapters of how Joseph toys with his brothers. And he pressures them, and he pushes them, all the while keeping his identity hidden. And part of his handling of his brothers is requesting that Benjamin be sent as collateral and as a pledge that they are not there as spies. Well, long story short, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And they are obviously shocked. They are shocked that this younger brother who they had sold to Midianites so many years ago is such a powerful man and that now their fate is at his mercy. But Joseph holds no anger. And he rejoices that he is back with his family. Pharaoh hears that Joseph's family is now in Egypt and has come to him and he commands that the brothers go back, fetch Jacob their father so that they can all live in Egypt and that they can enjoy the best of the land. When Jacob learns that Joseph is not only alive, but that he is ruler in Egypt, Jacob is stunned with disbelief. When he hears that Joseph is alive and calling for him to come to Egypt, it says, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Now, on his way to Egypt, the Lord comes to Jacob, and he says, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. And when Jacob and his family and his flocks finally arrive, Pharaoh gives them just a wonderful, rich place to live, and he gives the brothers jobs as shepherds over his flocks, the flocks of Pharaoh. Joseph, in just an amazing scene, brings his father before Pharaoh and introduces him. And it says this, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I think that's a curious exchange. And then Pharaoh asks Jacob how old he is, and Jacob says this, The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult. Jacob is old, he's still a wanderer, has little worldly influence, and the people who come from Jacob are eventually going to be cruelly enslaved in that very land, but he comes into Pharaoh's house and he blesses him. You see, Jacob has something that Pharaoh, with all his power, with all his wealth, with all his prestige, doesn't have. Jacob has the Lord God. Well, Jacob lives 17 more years, all in Egypt, before he dies. And before he dies, he makes Joseph take an oath that when he dies, Joseph takes him out of Egypt, that he not be buried in Egypt, but that Joseph be taken back to where Abraham and Isaac, his fathers, are buried. And that brings us to what we read today. It kind of gets us caught up. Joseph brings his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to Jacob. And Jacob reiterates the blessing that God spoke to him a blessing which he inherited from his fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob wants these two boys, who he learns to be his grandsons, to, be, to share in that blessing. Jacob wants them to know that blessing that, of course, he got by deception, by deceiving his father, Isaac. And in blessing these boys, he wants to reclaim them from Egypt and to know the covenant of relationship with his God. Joseph places them before his father, the two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the details of the description are important. Because Joseph places Manasseh, the older, at the right hand of Jacob, and he places Ephraim at the left hand of Jacob. Because Manasseh is older and he should receive the blessing that comes with the extension of the right hand. When it says that Jacob blessed Joseph, by the way, that's a comprehensive term for Joseph. Everybody gets blessed in this. and, And Joseph and his sons all share in this blessing. Well, Jacob reaches out his hands to the two boys, but Jacob does something unusual. He crosses his hands as he puts them on the boys' heads. Joseph is sure, you know, Jacob's old, he can't see very well, dad's losing it, he's got it confused. Jacob knows exactly what he's doing. When Joseph tries to correct him, Jacob says, I know, my son, I know. But he, being Manasseh, he too will become a great people and he will become great. But nevertheless, the younger brother will be greater than he. And his descendants will become a group of nations. And Jacob blesses them with a blessing that Jewish parents still bless their sons with to this day every week as they enter the Sabbath. And the blessing is this. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And the reason Jews still ask that God will make their sons like Ephraim and Manasseh is because those two sons remained faithful in their morals and in their character, even living amidst secular Egypt. And they were the first brothers in the Bible to get along and not be rivals and not fight. Three things about Jacob's life. His life was a life of hope. His life was a life of surprises. And his life was full of God. First of all, Jacob's life, a life of hope. God made a promise to Abraham to bless him, to make a great nation of him. And that promise continued through Isaac and to Jacob. Really, that's what the whole first book of the Bible, Genesis, is about. God keeping that promise. It seems to come slowly. That promise seems to be threatened, and the people to whom that promise is given and that carry that promise seem to fail again and again, but the Lord will not let human wreckage nullify the plan. The whole Bible, God's big story, is really just how God, beginning with a man named Abraham, puts his rescue plan for the world into place and sees it through. And as Christians, of course, we believe that those promises, that that blessing has been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can share in that redemption and in those promises through faith. Jacob believes in this promise despite all the pain, despite all the conflict, despite all the problems in his life and the struggle. The promise that God would bless him and be with him and protect him never failed. And now he passes that along to his sons and his grandsons. Joseph and his sons have been in Egypt. They've seen the grandeur of Egypt and and a culture that does not recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Egypt has other gods. The family of Jacob in Egypt, those are two different things. There's a distinction. And Jacob now lives in Egypt, but he will not be seduced by it. He will use it but he won't trust it. Jacob will be in Egypt, but he won't be of Egypt. Remember how Jesus prayed to the Father for his disciples that they would be protected in this world? He said, they are not of the world even as I am not of it. As people of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know ultimately, ultimately, this world is not our home. We have to be wise in what we will give ourselves to. We have to be wise in what we will trust in and what we are told is most important. And it can be hard to trust an invisible God amidst the visible realities of success and, and, and power and influence. But when Jacob meets Pharaoh, he makes clear that his whole life has been a pilgrimage and it continues to be. He still is not at the place he wants to be. He's never had a land to call his own. But he's hoping and still holding that hope that God will lead his family to that land. That's part of the promise God is giving, that Jacob trusts. Of course, that's not going to come until Israel's delivered from Egypt through Moses and then the Lord leads them into a new land in Canaan. But Jacob is banking on the Lord who has blessed him and has blessed his father his entire life. And that is why Jacob makes Joseph swear that he will take him out of Egypt to bury him. Take me where I came from, and don't leave me in this land. I will not belong to this place. Yes, Jacob still lives in hope for the life that God will provide. And any time we live in hope, it means we have to wait. Jacob can wait. He's waited this long. He's not part of the generation that gives up if it doesn't see immediate results. If he lost hope in what God was doing, he would be more easily open to buying into the Egyptian way of life and all its attractions. People who put their hope in things other than the Lord find the allurements of this passing world much more satisfying. Jacob blesses his sons and his grandsons because he wants to claim the next generation for God. Egypt is temporary. God endures. And I think of the role of parents and grandparents in articulating the promises of God to our children. I think of the role the entire church has in that. We're to tell the next generation who God is and and how our faith is a living faith and what it means to live in relationship with him. And raising our young is always an act of hope, is it not? For us to pass along that deep spiritual heritage to our children and for them to be blessed, we have to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and of our Lord Jesus Christ, ourselves. We have to believe it ourselves. We have to walk with this God and be in relationship with him. And we have to believe that God is active, that God is present in this world and that there is a kingdom yet to come and to be fulfilled. Jacob didn't know for sure what Ephraim and Manasseh would become. He just knew that he wanted to bring them out of Egypt into a relationship with the living God and that blessing. And hope that is seen is not hope. Our task is to keep this hope alive. Jacob's life was a life full of surprises. Perhaps the first surprise was when he pulled off stealing the blessing when he was younger, from his father Isaac. But then there was that time when he had that vision of a stairway going from earth to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending, and the Lord utters that promise to make Jacob's descendants many and to be with Jacob wherever he goes. And Jacob was stunned that the Lord was in that place. He was surprised that the presence of the Lord was there. There was the surprise of that wrestling match with that man from God who attacked him and who renames him from Jacob to Israel? What was that all about? There was the surprise of Esau's open-heartedness to him when he was sure that the brother who he had hurt and violated in so many ways was going to kill him. When he heard Esau is on his way with 400 men, yet, surprise, Esau embraces him. There's the surprise of finding out Joseph was alive. And not only that, I've got two grandsons. Huh. Thought he was dead. You see, the blessing in which Joseph has been living in has provided surprise after surprise. His life has been one big surprise from God. In the New Testament is, is the word for surprise, grace. Grace. How often I am surprised by God's grace in my own life. How often I see how I am blessed, surprised again and again by his goodness. And then Jacob's was a life of God, just full of God. You know, the blessing that Jacob lays on those two grandsons is totally focused on God. Listen to it again. He said, may the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked The God who's been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly upon the earth. Jacob acknowledges that it is before God that they walk. Jacob affirms that God has been his shepherd. Shepherds lead, shepherds nourish. Shepherds guide. And God has been all of that to Jacob, and he can be that to Ephraim and Manasseh and Joseph, too. It is the angel, a representative of God and another way of speaking how God has gone with him, who has delivered him. And it is from God the blessing will come. The Lord is the one who has been with and for this family and has never been found wanting and this was a family that knew tragedy, that made mistakes, that was fractured. When we look back on our life, even our life thus far, can we say the Lord was there? Can we see where he was? Did he redeem us? Has he blessed us? It wasn't easy for Jacob. Jacob. He had a tendency, at deception to wrestle with. Got him into trouble, hurt his family. He was taken advantage of by his father-in-law Laban. He walked with a limp after wrestling God. He described his years as difficult. But you know, God is at work in our difficulties to make us the person he wants us to be. God can take the adversities. He can take the sufferings, make them work for our good. We may be misunderstood, we may be betrayed, we may be accused. We may suffer from maybe a physical ailment, maybe from mental illness, maybe we struggle with some temptation that we just, it just seems to control us. But God is at work in those things and through those things as hard as they can be. And we can learn to trust and we can learn to be patient and we can learn to live by grace. We can become more dependent on the Lord and stronger In his faithfulness. Now we have to submit ourselves to God. And desire his will and lay aside our own will. And doing God's will is often, well it requires wrestling with God. But a wrestling life can be a blessed life. This is what Jacob came to know. Brenda Quinn wrote, like Jacob, we get acquainted with God and we make some tentative pledges to follow him. Then we carry on with life, doing whatever seems right at the moment to clear the path that we've chosen for ourselves. We may consult God occasionally, sometimes in sincerity and sometimes simply going through the motions, but then we charge ahead again like strong-willed children, insisting on doing things our own way. We struggle with God again and again, not yet mature enough to realize the nature of our opponent and more, the nature of his victory would we only give up the fight. And when Jacob looks back and he adds it all up through all the trials and hardships, he says God was there. And before Jacob dies, he gathers those 12 sons he gives a blessing to each one of them, a word about what they will be and a word about what their legacy will become. And he was indeed carried back to the land of his fathers and buried at a place called Machpelah, where Abraham and Isaac still rest. And that tomb of those fathers is still there today and the second most holy place for Jews in their tradition. And by the way, it's a holy place for Muslims, too. How important is Jacob? Well, I tell you, he's important enough for God to put his own name to Jacob's. I said at the beginning of this series that the Bible uh, refers to God 22 times as the God of Jacob. Psalm 146, 5 says, Blessed is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. I'm still amazed that God pins his name to this guy. But he does. Maybe the Lord names his people Israel after Jacob because they need so much, they're going to need so much grace. And God loves to give grace. Is this your God? And are you walking with him? Have you come to him and surrendered to him, looking to him as your shepherd? It says we're blessed if he is our help. I think it says this because we all need help. Because we can all be weak. We can all struggle. We can all wander from God. God knows this. Jacob needed tons of help and God was all of that to him and God will be all of that to us as well. Let's pray. God of Jacob it's in life and in death that we belong to you. Help us. Help us to live before you walk with you, place our lives before you. Thank you how you walk with us through all the good and the the hard of our lives. And thank you that you have come in Jesus Christ to show us even more clearly than Jacob ever knew how you love us and how you're with us. Amen.